MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. Today, the Oath Keepers' seditious conspiracy trial begins with opening statements and the first witness called. The $3 million benchwarmer Chris Kyes is back in the game in a filing to delay oral arguments in the 11th Circuit case about the Mar-a-Lago documents. Lula and Bolsonaro are headed to a runoff in Brazil in October. Former Trump lawyer and January 6th witness Eric Hirschman is now representing Brett Favre. Donald is suing CNN for something. Uh, The court has unsealed a document outlining the DOJ's taint team process, and the archives releases emails about the 15 boxes and materials it recovered from Mar-a-Lago in January. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Taint team. JG, as soon as you said it, I started giggling in the introduction, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to be able to keep a straight face right now. (laughs) Taint team. Taint team. The taint team. Oh, man. So uh, big goings on down in Brazil. Lula beat Bolsonaro 48 to 43, almost 6 million votes. But in order to win outright, you have to get at least 50 percent of the vote. So they are headed to a runoff in just 26 days. That's October 30th, end of this month. And I don't know enough about Brazilian politics to know whether the votes that went to the other candidates are more fascisty or, you know, more liberal. We'll see as the the liberal Lula is going to be facing the, what do they call him, the tropical Trump? Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Bolsonaro. Well, Italy took a dive, so hopefully they can get their shit together over there. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Let's, let's strike back. A blow for democracy. Not to it. All right. So uh, aside from that, you know, we've got the good news today and uh, I'm glad you're back. Uh, welcome home. Thank you. And uh, I guess, uh, why don't we just hit the hot notes? Hot notes. All right. Uh, thank you for that segue. Um, I can feel the love uh, for my my ability to segue into the hot notes. But hey, things are not looking good for the Oath Keepers, Dana. They are facing a trial right now for seditious conspiracy, among other charges. There's a whole slew of charges they're facing, and there's a bunch of them. Some of them are facing some charges. Some of them are facing others. They are all facing seditious conspiracy and obstructing an official proceeding charges. Opening statements happened today. And the gist of the defense for the Oath Keepers is that everything they did on January 6th and leading up to it and after it was totes legal. They were stockpiling weapons in Virginia for a quick reaction force. That's totally legal because you're allowed to legally stockpile weapons across the Potomac in Virginia on January 6th. Going to the Capitol without their weapons was totes legal. The horrible things they said to each other on the messenger groups was legal because that was just bravado, you know, locker room talk. That was protect- that's protected by the First Amendment. You know, saying you want to go kill Pelosi and whatnot. Then lawyers for the Oath Keepers argued that the stockpiled weapons were only for use if the president, Trump at the time, invoked the Insurrection Act, which he did not do. So they didn't do anything wrong. That is their contention. Well, seems totally feasible. Well, (laughs) 
DOJ. What you would say otherwise. You and who? (laughs) (laughs) The Department of Justice then played audio of Stuart Rhodes, leader of the Oath Keepers, that completely blew apart their everything's legal and totes fine defense. And um, the founder of the far-right Oath Keepers was recorded days after the January 6th attack on the Capitol saying his only regret was that they should have brought rifles. (laughs) And then, then, this is from Ryan Riley and Daniel Barnes at NBC. The Justice Department alleges that Rhodes and members of his organization plotted to oppose the peaceful transfer of power, stockpiling guns in quick reaction forces just outside D.C. And by the way, the defense emphasized that they were reaction forces. We were only going to react, reaction forces. We were just providing security. And Rhodes' lawyer... Uh, well, both of them have no, I think actually there's three of them now. Rhodes's lawyers have noted that he followed DC's very strict gun laws, which they say is an indication he would have only acted on an order from then President Trump. But the audio recording and other evidence prosecutors presented Monday in their opening statements suggest that Rhodes planned to disrupt the certification. Again, he's my only regret. They have audio. My only regret is we should have brought rifles. And that was a recording from January 10th. He added, They could have fixed it right then and there if they had had weapons with them at the Capitol. (laughs) And then Assistant U.S. Attorney Jeff Nessler said the Rhodes' reference to the Insurrection Act was nothing more than an attempt to give legal cover for something that Rhodes, a Yale-educated attorney, knew was illegal. They they said, oh, you know, waiting for the uh, uh, Insurrection Act, that was just legal cover. And his proof? A recording of Rhodes saying the Insurrection Act reference was legal cover. <laughs> Which I, I, am I the only one that didn't know that Rhodes was a Yale-educated attorney until this story? <laughs> yeah, no, um, no, I knew, I knew it was before because he kind of brags about it all the Got time. Got it. He was okay. disbarred in like '06. Got so it. So yeah. So yeah, fucking Nestler, the DOJ is like, you know what? We really think that the the Insurrection Act thing was for legal cover to, you know, provide legal cover for their illegal actions and, you know, prove it. Okay, here's a recording of Rhodes saying the Insurrection Act references were legal cover. He played that for the jury. The trial is expected to further highlight ties between Trump associates and the far-right Oath Keepers. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I'm thinking about Liar Liar when he's like, I object, Your Honor. And he's like, why? And he goes, because it's devastating, devastating to my, to my case. case. <laughs> Stop breaking the law, asshole. <laughs> oh, keep going. Uh, I, I, I know. I know. Seditious conspiracy is not funny. But that is really funny. You have to admit, that's really just... That was their whole fucking defense. And now it's just gone because he admitted on tape that the whole defense was just to provide legal cover. And he's a lawyer. And that's what, you know, that's why he did that. Further, by the way, there, you know, he went around and said, you know, delete all your text messages and and app messages that say that, you know, we were doing this because we have to, you know, legally cover our tracks. (laughs) So as I was saying, it's going to this trial is going to further highlight ties between Trump associates like Stone and stuff with the Oath Keepers who provided security for high-profile Trump supporters and had links to others in Trump's orbit. As NBC News reported, Kelly Sorrell, the general counsel for the Oath Keepers, who was charged in connection with January 6th last month, had been in touch with former Trump White House aide Andrew Giuliani in connection with her work for Lawyers for Trump during the 2020 campaign. Sorrell has said Rhodes asked her for White House contacts ahead of January 6th. Another Oath Keeper who pled guilty to seditious conspiracy told the court that Rhodes spoke with a Trump intermediary on the night of January 6th 
and asked to speak directly to Trump while imploring the person to tell Trump to call upon groups like the Oath Keepers to forcibly oppose the transfer of power. The defendants, quote, banded together to do whatever was necessary up to and including using force to stop the transfer of power from Donald Trump to President-elect Joe Biden. If Congress could meet, quote, it could not declare the winner of an election, he said, and that was their goal. Man, I love that these guys are getting in more and more trouble. And an attorney who was part of the defense team for then-President Donald Trump's first impeachment trial, well, he's now representing who? Pro Football Hall of Famer Brett Favre in connection with that massive welfare fraud scheme in Mississippi. Yeah, that's from a spokesperson for the former quarterback. That's what they told CNN. Eric Hirschman said in a statement that he agreed to represent Favre after he did his, quote, independent due diligence and was convinced he did nothing wrong. Okay, pal, sure. The spokesperson declined to comment on what prompted the change in representation, which was first reported by Axios. Favre is a defendant in a civil suit brought by the state against more than 35 people and entities in connection with the welfare fraud scheme in an effort to recover some of those funds, and he has not been charged criminally. Hirschman said in a statement, quote, Brett Favre enthusiastically tried to help his alma mater, a public university that needed and wanted his help. Attorneys for the university and the state knew that the donations came from the Mississippi Community Education Center nonprofit, and okayed them. Uh Yeah. Uh Earlier this month, John Davis, the one-time head of the Mississippi Department of Human Services, he pleaded guilty. We covered that story to two federal counts and 18 state counts of conspiracy and fraud in connection with the welfare fraud scheme, but he was also testifying against two other people. So there you have it. So he pled guilty, but Favre didn't do anything Right, 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 right. No, 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 no. All right, cool. And and it's you're, you're right, Favre hasn't been charged, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will. Down to Florida. First up, the $3 million bench warmer has been called back into the game, signing a new filing with Jim Trusty, asking the 11th Circuit to hold off on oral arguments in the DOJ's appeal until next year, Dana. Jeez. The DOJ filed a few days ago for an expedited briefing schedule with the 11th Circuit and oral arguments at the court's earliest convenience. No decision from the 11th Circuit yet. The National Archives and Records Administration on Monday publicly released a small fraction of communications related to government documents removed by Trump and his reported destruction of some White House records. Those communications related to the National Archives efforts to recover those documents, which included letters to Trump from former President Obama and a letter from North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. They also expressed the agency's concern about Trump's reported penchant for ripping some documents he read in the White House, ripping them up and eating them (laughs) and putting them in the toilet and putting them in the fireplace. Now, in May of 2021, there was an email that was released today, but this email's from May, May and a half ago, right? A long time ago. It is from NARA General Counsel Stern, and he told lawyers for Trump about ongoing efforts to capture presidential records on social media accounts, but added... Quote, there are also certain paper textual records we cannot account for. As an example, Stern wrote, the original correspondence between Trump and Kim Jong-un are not here. It's our understanding that in January of 2021, just prior to the end of the administration, the originals were put in a binder for the president, but were never transferred to the Office Records of, of Records Management for transfer to the National Archives. Stern added the letter from former President Obama left for Trump at the Oval Office when Obama's presidency ended, likewise, has not been transferred. Those belong to the National Archives. And that's one of the main cruxes of this argument. It's like, no, I need them from my library. The way that you go about that is you hand everything over to the archives and then you borrow them from the archives and the archives manage those 
displays in your presidential library. They still belong to the archives. Stern also wrote the National Archives understood that about two dozen boxes of original presidential records were kept at the residence of the White House during Trump's final year in office, but had not been sent to the National Archives. Quote, despite a determination by Pat Cipollone in the final days of the administration that they needed to be. So that means now we have more evidence Trump knew he wasn't supposed to have these documents because Pat Cipollone told him in January he had to return them to the National Archives. In January of 2021, they got 15 boxes in January of 2022 when about two dozen boxes were still missing. And the court, here's another thing. They have unsealed a Department of Justice filing, in this case from August 30th, that shows the process undertaken by the taint team. Here we go. <laughs> giggle, giggle, giggle. Tee-hee-hee. That's the privilege team brought by the FBI to Mar-a-Lago on August 8th to go through stuff before we look at it. Like, we're not going to look, we're not going to look. You go through it, make, take all the stuff out that could even be, you know, vaguely considered attorney-client privilege or attorney work product. Take it out and then we'll go through the rest. That's how a filter team works. And in this filing, it outlines that entire process. And it was really rigorous. They're like, the first went in, and then they pulled those out. And then we went through the stuff. And I actually, like, we found two documents, one with a lawyer's name on it, and another that had, like, a legal letterhead. And we pulled those out and gave them to the taint team. And then the taint team goes through all these things. And, you know, they outline this whole fucking process. And it's really conservative. Like, they wouldn't even... Dana, like if they saw a box with one, like let's say it had 100 documents and one of them was like from a lawyer, that whole box was taken by the by the filter team to right. be gone through before anyone from the case team, which are the prosecutors, the FBI, could look at it, right? Now, here's a couple of things that we found out in this filing. First, we learned Cannon actually leaked the number of potentially privileged documents in that hearing, that one hearing they had. Um, she wasn't supposed to do that. Next, a non-lawyer letter from someone named Rudy was segregated <laughs> because it's from Rudy, but it was a non-lawyer letter. So it wasn't legal, but that's one of the ones that they found after the fact and said, you know what? This has Rudy's name on it. We should put it aside. Let the filter team, you know, make sure. Because once you get all that stuff, you give it to the the other side and they get to decide as well and make you know, a privilege log declarations about what might be privileged. So they're going above and beyond. Seriously, segregating anything that had a lawyer's name on it. Now, here's what most caught my attention. There was a mention of 39 pages of former president call logs. Now, if you remember, the January 6th committee is missing about eight hours of call logs from Trump from the day of the insurrection. Yep. So I can't help but wonder if the FBI found them in the basement at Mar-a-Lago. And if that's them, why were they there and not handed over to the National Archives? Well, if you remember, we know Trump didn't want to give back a lot of these documents when he was talking to Tom Fitton about this and people in his orbit. He didn't want to give them back to the National Archives because he was afraid the National Archives would give them to the January 6th committee. Do you remember that? I do. So, of course, Donald would steal these call logs if they implicated them and hide them at Mar-a-Lago, not wanting to give them over to the National Archives and for fear that they would end up with the January 6th committee. Now, I don't know if these, it doesn't say in the filing if these are the January 6th call logs. It just says 39 pages of presidential call logs were found. All right. 
I, I love that more and more stuff keeps coming out because obviously this is ongoing. And this last story is about that schmuck as well. Donald Trump ha- has sued. He sued CNN, claiming defamation and seeking punitive damages of how much? $475 million. And that's according to a Florida court filing on Monday. The U.S. cable news station has attempted to smear the former U.S. president, quote, with a series of ever more scandalous, false and defamatory. Yeah. Thank you. Labels of, quote, racist, Russian lackey, insurrectionist, and ultimately Hitler. I'm sorry, I'm giggling because he's all those things, but other than actually Hitler, he's Hitler-esque. Trump's lawyers, that's what they're claiming. Now, the lawsuit has been filed in federal court in Fort Lauderdale. This is a quote. Beyond simply highlighting any negative information about the plaintiff and ignoring all positive information about him... Is there any? Mm. CNN has sought to use its massive influence purportedly as a trusted news source to defame the plaintiff in the minds of its viewers and readers of the purpose of defeating him politically. Oh, that's what the filing says, A.G. It's crazy pants. Went on to say, this is another quote, as part of its concerted effort to tilt the political balance to the left, CNN has tried to taint the plaintiff. Dun, oh, dun, more dun. taint. More taint. More taints. Yep. Lawsuit lists several instances in which CNN appeared to compare Trump to Hitler, including a January 2022 special report by host Fareed Zakaria that included footage of the 20th century German dictator. Now, listen, if it included footage and Trump was like, I think they're (laughs) saying that resembles (laughs) me, perhaps it was inferred by the plaintiff. That would be funny. Uh, we were just doing a special on Hitler and the rise of Hitler. Um, yeah, we, and then we got sued. We didn't mention you at all, bro. If you, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the context of that was, but I could, I could that, I could see that conceivably happening. Yeah, and I, you know what? I've looked at this lawsuit. It has no basis in law. It's just like all of his other lawsuits against New York Times, against Mary Trump, against Hillary Clinton, against Pete Strzok, against Andy McCabe. And I actually think this one could be sanctionable. If I were CNN, I'd file a sanctions motion and a motion to dismiss. But here's something that's not sanctionable, Dana. This made my fucking day. And, and it make, makes me wish I, I thought of it. And it makes me wish I worked for The Onion. The Onion has filed an amicus brief in a case about a guy who was uh, indicted on felony, you know, some fuck shittery. He put, out a, he put out a Facebook page pretending to be a local police department. It was obviously parody. And he was hit with a felony, but it, he was acquitted. And and now that he's trying to sue the police department for fucking with him and his First Amendment rights under parody, under comedy and humor, mm-hmm. and it's gone up to the Supreme Court and The Onion has filed an amicus brief. And let me just read this briefly. <sighs> Interest of the amicus curiae. The Onion is the world's leading news publication offering highly acclaimed, universally revered coverage of breaking national, international, and local events. (laughs) Rising from its humble beginnings as a print newspaper in 1756, (laughs) The Onion now enjoys a daily readership of 4.3 trillion and has grown into the single most powerful and influential organization in human history. In addition to maintaining a towering standard of excellence to which the rest of the industry aspires, The Onion supports more than 350,000 full and part-time journalism jobs in its numerous news bureaus and manual labor camps stationed around the world. And members of its editorial board have served with distinction and advisory capacity for such nations as China, Syria, Somalia, and the former Soviet Union. On top of its journalistic pursuits, 
The Onion also owns and operates the majority of the world's transoceanic shipping lanes, stands on the nation's leading edge on matters of deforestation and strip mining, and proudly (laughs) conducts tests on millions of animals daily. The Onion's keen fact-driven reportage has always cited favorably by one or more local courts, as well as Iran, the Chinese state-run media. And along the way... (laughs) The Onion's journalists have garnered a sterling reputation for accurately forecasting future events. One such coup was The Onion's scoop revealing that a former president kept nuclear secrets strewn around his beach home's basement three years before it ever (laughs) happened. The Onion files this brief to protect its continued ability to create fiction that may ultimately merge into reality. As the Globe's premier parodists, The Onion's writers have a self-serving interest in preventing political authorities from imprisoning humorists. This brief is submitted in the interest of at least mitigating their future punishment. (laughs) So good. So good. It's long. It goes on. It's hilarious. It's absolutely wonderful. And uh, I can't I can't say enough about this amicus brief. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen and uh, a perfect example of parody in action. So good. So thank you for that. All right. I hope you all got a laugh at home, too. My goodness. Oh, so good. All right, that's the news. We will be right back with the good news. So stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. As you know, I used to have sleep problems until I ordered my custom mattress from Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has this online two-minute sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. I took the quiz and I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper. And I have a medium firm mattresses, so it's the best mattress I've ever had. I get a best night's sleep ever. I sleep like a baby. And you have a 10 or 15 year warranty, depending on the model. You get to try it for 100 sleeps with no risk. It is such a great deal. As you know, Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. They have a lineup of 14 mattresses right now, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So head to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take that quiz. Order the mattress you're matched to. It'll come right to your door, ship completely free, and you can start experiencing the best night's sleep of your life. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine, and it's been recommended by multiple leading doctors uh, of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for listeners. Just head to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. With Helix, better sleep starts now. And I also want to talk to you about something else I've been taking for a really long time now that I absolutely love. It's called AG1 by Athletic Greens. I use it every morning. It was the easiest habit to pick up. And I wanted more energy and an optimized immune system, but I also wanted to take all those 100 different supplements and probiotics and things that were taking up space in my cabinet and my fridge and bring it all into one delicious scoop of AG1. With just that one scoop, you get 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, everything you need to start your day. A special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, immune system, aging, energy, recovery, focus, all the things. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. And right now, they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you head to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Now, tons of people take some kind of multivitamin. Like I said, I had 20 different supplements in my cabinet. It's important you choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And it costs you less than $3 a day. So you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for those million different pills and supplements. 
And to make it easy, like I said, Athletic Greens is going to give you that free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, pod pet picks, dun, 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 I did it. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. Uh, I said it. I pod pet picks. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, or, you know, pod pet Tic Tacs if you have them. Whatever. Halloween photos. Um, you want to give a shout out to somebody important in your life that's amazing. Anything you want to send us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And by the way, just a little bit of breaking news, and I'm going to cover this more in depth tomorrow. But this is out from, it looks like Dazi and Jacqueline Alemany at the Washington Post. Breaking news. Trump asked one of his lawyers to tell the National Archives Records Administration in early this year, 2022, that he had returned all materials requested by the agency. He told a lawyer, one of his lawyers, to tell the National Archives he had returned all the materials requested by the agency. But the lawyer declined because he was not sure it was true. Alex Cannon is the attorney. He had facilitated the January transfer of 15 boxes from Mar-a-Lago to the National Archives after the archives agitated for more than a year to get all the remaining documents back. Following months of stonewalling, archives officials threatened to get the Justice Department or Congress involved. So this is a, a, a new breaking story. I'm, I'm not sure if Cannon himself spoke to the Post or who who the source is on this. It says multiple sources who, who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Uh, this is the this is the post, so I trust I trust their sources, at least Dazi's and uh, Jacqueline Alemany's sources. But wow, if they have proof that a, a lawyer was told by Donald Trump to lie to lie uh, and say that they got everything back to the National Archives, especially with what we were just talking about with regards to potential call logs, huge. You know, and this is all unclassified shit, and this is why the non-classified documents are so important and why that 11th Circuit Court of Appeals is important. Uh, all right, let's go to the good news now. Let's shift gears from Kim, pronouns she, her. Hello, legume ladies. I'm so happy to finally have discovered you after at least six years of hell. <laughs> I wish I'd known about you sooner. <laughs> I have been a follower of Muller, she wrote, for a while, though. Here is my now one-year-old kitty, Cricket who is the sweetest, most affectionate cat I've ever owned. But he's also the most voracious hunter. Dude, Kim, I, Bruce Willis is the same. Needy to a fault. Cuddly and sweet, voracious hunter. Hence the clown collar and large bell. Yes, samesies. <laughs> he has brought all kinds of lizards, mice, and birds, as well as a squirrel once and a bat. I haven't gotten a bat, but I've gotten all those other ones, Kim. Most have been alive, and we have saved them, and the caller has helped. We hope he will calm down now that he's older. Mm -mm, no, Bruce Willis is 12. He still does his shit. But the you're right. The bell on the caller really helps. Thanks for breaking down the daily news with such clarity and humor. Look at... Oh, my God. So sweet baby. <laughs> the clown caller and bell. So good. Thank you for... Looks like, he's, looks like he's doing, like, duck face right here. He's a little bit. He's like, look at me. Mm. All right, Kim Kardashian. Okay. This next one is from at Redbent. So that's a handle at Redbent, pronounce he and him, longtime Twitter follower, recent Patreon, Patreon and podcast binger. 
Thank you for all you do. I recently returned from a work trip out of the country. Your podcast was, is much needed source for information. I've gotten more comfortable reading legal documents because of your analysis. My pet tax is Jackson in Brownie. Jackson's a rescue. Here he is on the set of TV show filmed in Hawaii. I manage locations for the state. He is Pitt and Weimariner and a big goofus. Hmm. Brownie. Brownie is a little princess. Uh, Chihuahua Fox mini pinish markings in her dog Applier costume. These dogs are best friends, despite the 50-pound, 55-pound difference in size. Oh, my goodness. For good measure, please enjoy my costume from 2020. Meet Hot Mike. Hot Mike. I get it. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Look. Oh, my God. That is really funny. What a funny shirt, too. Mike. Hot Mike. I get it. Get how proud that baby is. Okay. So now my question is, you scout sets in Hawaii? Right. Or you manage locations for the state. I need to know if, you know, there's any like... If they're taking applications. <laughs> yeah. You know, I might need to go to Hawaii for some stuff, Mike. Really? I mean, so we I might mean, have to film, like do a live yeah. Daily Beans. Where would we go? Yeah. You know what? I mean, wherever we're required to go. Seems tax deductible to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up from Mary Beth, pronouns she and her. Since you always say how you love Halloween, I finally had to chime in. My husband is a Halloweeny baby, so it's a double duty day in our family. His dream was to open up a tap room in Beervana. We're in Beaverton, Oregon, which is Portland adjacent. <laughs> After a night of drinking at the coast and talking about dad's dream retirement plan, our kids started writing a business plan. But then Bill started filling in the details. Then we started looking at locations. Secretly, I waited for it to fall apart, having been the only family member who had actually poured beer and waited tables. But lo and behold, after tons of time, work, and debt, we opened Central Station Taps on March 6th, 2020. Nice. Yep. Yep. One week later, everything shut down. But we hung in and survived, and thanks to wonderful patrons, you know, we, we made it through. But back to Halloween. Every year, Bill goes out to a local farm, buys over a ton of pumpkins for our customers to carve, and show off to the neighborhood. It's grown in a few short years, and it's so much fun to watch people do something many haven't done since childhood. After Halloween, a few of our customers take the pumpkins home to compost for their gardens. Win-win. I've attached photos from our first and second years doing this. This will be our third, and we're looking forward to sharing this tradition with friends old and new. Happy Halloween, and happy birthday to my love, Bill. (gasps) that was sweet. What a fucking cool idea. Right? This is awesome. And look at this awesome. I want to go here. Uh, can we talk about the suit? <laughs> yes. The st- <laughs> oh, my God. That's oh, so good. I want to go here. Prism CBD. They have, looks like they've got some wines. Looks good. Look at all those pumpkins. Love it. And here's a short one from Stephen. He, him. I've been waiting for October to share some of my daughter Charlie's pumpkin photos. She really gets into the spirit. Look at this. She sure does. And she's good at this. Whoa. Magic is real. That is awesome. That is some. Oh, wow. Look at the dragon. Yeah. I love pumpkin carving. She's super talented. My God. This is art. Yeah, it is. Cute. Love it. Thank you, Charlie. Keep it up. I want to see more of these. All right. This is from Bambi. Pronouns she and her. This morning, I set my Chromebook down to grab a banana. By the time it turned around, my Chromebook had been co-opted as a butt warmer. Or, glancing at the one sticker actually visible on my Chromebook, 
It could be her way of giving an enthusiastic pause up for the Daily Beans. I'll leave it up to you to decide. Oh, look, they have a Daily Bean sticker on their Chromebook. Nice. Yay. Thanks, Bambi. Super slick segue. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us five stars and four paws over at Apple Podcasts. That was a note from our producer in case you wondered why it sounded out of place. Um, I just read what's in front of me, Dana. I know. I was like, oh, she's going to read this as if it's a note. It's for us. Okay, let's keep it going. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Panic at the disco. I'm Ron Burgundy. Okay. So, um, anyway, that's the show, everyone. And uh, oh gosh, it's it's Tuesday, October fourth, and I just wanted to give a shout out to my dad today. It would have been his birthday. Oh, honey, happy birthday to your pop! So happy birthday, dad! Yeah, he could be seventy nine today. Big hug, big hug, my friend. Or maybe eighty one. I maths, you know, much you can do. Yeah, exactly. But um, anyway, thank you. Do you have any final thoughts today? No, no final thoughts for today. Let's wrap it up. All right, let's well wrap it up. Okay, we're gonna wrap it up, everybody. <laughs> tomorrow we'll be back. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And for God's sakes, take someone with you. Like five people with you, please. I've been AG and I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>